Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to 1 Peter chapter 5 and reading for our text, part of verse 7. It's page 1127, if you have one of our free Bibles, 1127. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, the whole verse reads, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And it is specifically the words, he careth for you. In the beginning of this chapter, the elders are exhorted. And they are exhorted in verse 2 to feed or care for the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint not willing, but willingly, not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensembles to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. They are under shepherds, the elders are, and they're to care for the flock and feed the flock. Peter himself had been given the commission by the Lord Jesus Christ three times. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. That's important work of a minister, a preacher, a pastor. And thinking of the type, a shepherd looking after sheep. A major part of his work is to find out pastures for them where they can eat, where they can go. You think of Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it is the Lord leading them, leading them in green pastures and beside these still waters. is a major part of a shepherd to watch over when that sheep gets into difficulties and troubles to hook them out of the ditch to lift them up again to watch over them in the various things that can befall them the care of a shepherd over his sheep now in the chapter that we read John 10 where our Lord begins it with the parable of the shepherd and the sheep, in that chapter he makes it very clear that God has already his sheep. He already has a people, a people from eternity, thine they were and thou gavest their means. And when he speaks of those that he must also bring that are of another fold, there shall be one fold and one shepherd, he's speaking of the Gentiles as well as the Jews. The Gentiles must be brought and brought together as one. 
They both shall have the same shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, to watch over them and care for them. The word makes it clear that there is a people chosen in Christ from the foundation of the world. And I have loved thee with an everlasting love, and therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And in time, the Lord will bring about what he says in this chapter, verse 14, chapter 10, John. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Of course, it begins in eternity with the Lord knowing his sheep. And when those sheep are born into this world, when men... Uh, children, boys and girls are born into this world, grow up into this world. They're just the same as any other. They're not marked, this is one of my sheep and this is not. We are all fallen. We are all sinners. We've all gone astray. We are all in league with Satan. We all have not the life of God in our souls. But during the life of God's chosen sheep, they will be brought to know him and to fulfil that latter part and am known of mine. They shall all know me from the least unto the greatest. They shall not say every man uh, know the Lord, they shall all know me. The Lord shall reveal himself to his people. He shall give them life. He shall quicken them into spiritual life. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of mine hand. He shall bring them to know themselves as sinners. Bring them into a concern. Bring them to know him as the saviour. And they shall have that assurance. In greater or less a, 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 ma a measure that they actually know that they are the Lord's people. Now one of the ways of knowing is told in this chapter because our Lord says very clearly that my sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me. And he could contrast it with those of the scribes and the Pharisees who he says very clearly, clearly that ye are not of my sheep and therefore ye hear not my voice. So this is a mark given by our Lord here in this chapter of being one of his people, one of his sheep. They hear his voice, their ears are opened to hear the word of God as it is preached, as they read it, and they receive it like the Thessalonians, not as the word of man, but as it is in truth the word of God. And as they receive that word, it has authority in their hearts and they believe it, they obey it and it is used to bring faith to them. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And there is in that a real token and evidence. Everyone does not hear the voice of the Lord in the word of God they don't hear his voice in providence. They don't hear his voice in their consciences. All men have not faith. And this is, in this chapter, spoken of as a very distinctive thing, something that cannot be imitated by man, 
something that God knows about and his people know about, and he speaks to them. The psalmist says, Be not silent unto me, lest if thou be silent unto me, I become like them that go down into the pen. And with Samuel, there was a time when he did not yet know the Lord. And the way the Lord brought him to know the Lord was to begin to speak to him. And when he began to speak to him, he didn't recognise it as the Lord's voice, but thought it was Eli's. But he was to know the Lord's voice, and all the way through his life from that time, he was ordained a prophet of the Lord. The Lord spoke to him, and he spoke to the people. And he knew that that word was the word of the Lord, and the people knew that the word in his mouth was the word of the Lord as well. So that is set forth here. It may be so that some of you hear that you have that token, the Lord has given it to you, and you know what it is to hear his voice in the scriptures. You go away from the house of God, there's things that you've uh, exercised about because of what you've heard, things you've got to stop doing, things you've got to start doing, uh, things that uh, touch your heart, things that make you exercised and to meditate and to feed upon the word of God that you hear. And that was not always the case. But when it is the case... When you light those two in the way to amaze their heart burned within them while the Lord talked with them, there is a scriptural evidence, a message from the Lord that you are one of the Lord's sheep. But there's another evidence in this passage and that is what is on my spirit tonight. And that is the word of our text. He careth for you. It may be that you cannot see the mark of a sheep in hearing his voice and following him, but you may be able to see it more clearly in another way, in the Lord's care over you. In verse 13, the Lord speaks about a hireling, one that is hired to look after the sheep. He's not a shepherd himself, or maybe a shepherd, but the sheep aren't his. He's only paid to look after them. He doesn't actually own them. And he's speaking about the wolf coming, but the hireling He leaves the sheep, he flees, he runs from the wolf and leaves the sheep to to the wolf and scatters the wolf, catcheth and scattereth sheep. And the Lord explains why the hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. He does not care for the sheep. Now the implication here is that the shepherd does care for the sheep. The Lord does care for his people. And our text clearly says, He careth for you. 
casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And so here is a different aspect, another way of being able to discern our interest in Christ as being one of his children, one of his sheep. I know I've rather used this illustration before, maybe many times. The family's here. You know, when we have our children, we care for them. We make sure they've got clothing and food. And if they get injured, even if it's their fault, then we care for them and watch over them. Lift them up, pick them up. Remember when I was probably about eight years of age and I was running along banging two sticks together and I tripped over and I fell and those bits of wood, they broke underneath me and ended up sharp points and one of them went right into my knee and I can remember my father, he would have only been about 38 then and carry me, carry me back to the house and, and then to the, the doctors. And little did they know the bit of wood still stayed in that knee for two years. It was two years later that it was operated on and got it out. But I always remember that, that care when I was most in need and couldn't pick myself up in a lot of pain. And you remember those times. I remember the time that I was probably about 17 then. I took my bike and I drove some 25 miles to uh, where there was a ferry that went over to an island in Western Port Bay. I took the ferry and went over there thinking I was going to cycle around the island, but there was so much sand and my bike wheels sunk into it and I couldn't go anywhere and it was terribly, terribly hot. I had a little drink. I had to wait till the next ferry came back to go back. And I was so tired. And I was starting to cycle home all that 25 miles. And I saw my dad coming for me. And he realised I'd been a long while. And he got the Volkswagen ute. And we put the bike in the back and I drove home. I was glad to see him. And in those times you remember, you think, my father cared for me. He was thinking of me and, and, and came for me at that time. And there are those things that a parent will do for the family because they are their children, are their family, that they don't regularly do for a neighbour. Yes, if a neighbour got into trouble, we're in a position to help them, we would do it. But it wouldn't be that regular, constant feeding, caring, watching over and then in special times that that care was seen. And in that care there's a real evidence that we, the children, belong to those parents. They are the children. There's a love bond there and it's a very practical one. We wouldn't think much of it if, if a parent was not feeding, not caring for the child, not watching over them, not teaching them, or a Christian parent, if they weren't 
bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, if they weren't teaching them the Bible, if they weren't leading them in a path of prayer, you would think, well, they're caring for our bodies, but they're not caring for our souls. And we think that not right. But we put that and we look at it in the Lord, the way the Lord does with his people. And I want to then look at this just to confine to a few points. Firstly, his care in providing himself for them. And then secondly, his care in providence. And thirdly, his care over their souls. But firstly, his care in providing himself for them. When Abraham was going up the mountain, when God would try him, and Isaac, he says, my father, the fire, the wood, But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham was able to say, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. In fact, he was not going to supply, well, literally in that type, he did provide the ram that was caught in the thicket by his horns. But the message was, that God himself, manifest in the flesh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, would himself be that lamb. John the Baptist, he pointed out our Lord, behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It is God's provision. The Lord Jesus Christ is the provision for his sheep, for his people, providing himself. We think of the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, that those who know they are God's sheep and they are to show forth his death, they are to remember him and they are to remember this care in providing himself, providing a lamb, providing a substitute, providing that precious blood Where else would we have got it? Who else could have provided? Who else could have put away sin? Who else could have supplied that need but the Lord? One thing that we most assuredly believe is particular redemption, not general redemption. Some people believe that that redemption is general that our Lord just laid down his life and some believe that then whosoever in their lifetime of their own free will believe, then his blood avails for them. Others will say, well, the atonement or what Christ did on Calvary is limited by God's election, by his choice and only those who are elect and chosen in him Uh, will be saved but Christ has died as potentially to put away the sins of the whole world 
Well, the scriptures are very clear. It is for the whole world as every nation and kindred and tongue, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles also. But not every individual. In this chapter, our Lord is very clear that he lays down his life for the sheep. In verse 15 of John chapter 10, verse 15, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And as as throughout this chapter, he's clearly saying, those who are not hearing his voice, the scribes, the Pharisees, that are gainsaying, going against him, accusing him of being equal with God, making himself the God because he said he's equal with the Father. Ye are not, he says, of my sheep, but I lay down my life for the sheep. In other words, I do not lay down my life for you. And in Numbers 3, we have particular redemption where the firstborn of the Israelites were numbered and the Levites were numbered and one Levite had to be as a redemption for one of the firstborn of Israel. And where there wasn't enough Levites to redeem them, one off against the other, then five shekels of the sanctuary had to be paid. And it was a particular one-for-one redemption. In Proverbs, the Lord delights in a just weight, a just balance, a payment, no more, no less, but exactly what is required. And so the Lord's care is a very particular care. His going to Calvary, bearing in his body our sins on the tree, was an act of great love. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he's commending to us this care that he had over us while we were sinners, while we had no need of him, sought him not, while we were yet enemies to God, Christ died for us. But this is a care, a care in providing, a care in dying, and a greater love, our Lord says, hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. And it is then this care in providing, making provision of a ransom, a substitute, deliver him from going down into the pit. I have found a ransom. And that ransom is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that care, that provision. What would we think again of a family? And there was foreknown that there was to be a need of a provision, maybe a financial provision. And the parents made no provision for it whatsoever. But in our Lord's case, he knew the debt his people owed. And that provision is made. He is spoken of as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. 
in the purposes of God and in that is seen his care. Be a blessed thing if the Lord was to show to us, shine upon his word and show such a beauty of it that the Lord, while we were yet sinners, he saw the provision and he cared for us to come, to suffer, to bleed and die when we cared not for him at all. In this aspect of care, it is the work of the Holy Spirit to take the things of Jesus and reveal them unto us. Unto you which believe he is precious. They shall look upon him whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him. It is our sins that were laid on him and his sufferings, even if it were just our sins, would have been, we may say, as just as intense to put away sin. He that sinneth in one point is guilty of all. And that sentence of death is upon one sin. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Lord died in the place of all his people. And when the Spirit makes that known to his people, and it touches their hearts, and they perceive the love, and it softens their hearts, and their hearts are drawn out to think of that love that was set upon them from eternity past, and that brought him to suffer and bleed and die. And in that they will see a care over them when they even had no care for their own souls at all. So the first point is the Lord's care in providing himself a lamb, a lamb to be slain in the place of his people, paying their debt, appeasing the wrath of God, Bring in an everlasting righteousness. The second point I bring before you is his care in providence. That is in our lives. Many of us, when we've been called by grace, we can look back to days of unregeneracy and we can see the Lord's care over us in preserving our lives. We realise if we were cut off, if we had died at one particular point before we knew and believed in the Lord, then we should surely have gone to hell. And it is true that God's people are immortal until they are called by grace. They cannot die. They must live to see the time that they are brought to believe. And where there is life, there is hope. But some of us can look back and we can see those times, those things that to us are accidents, and yet in God it is not. Perhaps sometimes I've mentioned the bike accident I had when I was 11 where I finished my primary school. High speed on a bike, lost my footing when a car went past, 
when I woke up, I was in hospital and I'd hit a post that was guarding a concrete drain, went straight over the handlebars, hit my head on the concrete drain, knocked myself out. I had injuries to my lip, my leg, my head, and three weeks in bandages, and that's how I finished my primary school. It was a serious accident. In fact, those that stopped to help, they thought I'd been involved in a car accident uh, so badly damaged, didn't realise it was just a bite and just hitting a post. But at the same time, in the news, there was a girl about my age and she was just straddling her bike next to the curb and she lost her balance and she fell off and she hit her head and she died. No smashed up bike, no injuries all over her body, but one hit in the right place, the head, and she died. And it did make a Marcus that I noted it at that time. But when looking back, you see the care and keeping of the Lord. You think, why? Why was her life taken? Why was I spared? And you watch over that, look at that care in providence. God orders all of our lives. And there are those times we are able to see his care and realise his care. But I believe there's many times we don't. Remember going towards Lamberhurst one day and that uh, section where you just come up from the valley and from here and there's a straight section then it starts to get a, a, a bend and many people try and overtake on that section. They've been all the way through the bends down in the valley and at last they get a straight section, let's overtake. And I saw someone in front of me and they overtook and they pulled in and immediately a car came the other way round the bend. And my thought was, that car coming the other way towards Cranbrook, that person would never have realised that there was only seconds if they had been a few seconds on in that road, that car would have been right in their path. They would have hit it head on, full speed. I'd seen it. They wouldn't have even known that that car ducked in that quick because it was just around the corner. I thought, how many times have I been held up on the road, chafed at it, been upset because I've been held back? I'm thinking, the Lord, has made that little adjustment, even in seconds, that has saved my life. In many things we will never know. If we had a blind person and there was a piece of road or pavement with lots of holes in it, and we said, you take my arm, I'll lead you through this. And as you led them through, they stumbled into one pothole and one in the other and they grabbed the arm and you held them up and you didn't let them fall and they get through to the other side and they say, thank you very much I really appreciate your help bringing through all of that all those holes and then you have another blind person you lead over but this time you guide their feet very carefully 
She doesn't go into any of the holes. They don't stumble. They don't feel any of the holes at all. And they get through the other side and say, thank you very much, but I really would have been all right. I could have done it myself. And they have no idea. You've actually guided them round all of those obstacles and all of those holes. Just because you and I don't perceive any danger or think that there was no danger doesn't mean to say that there wasn't. And it's a great mercy where the Lord does preserve and keep us so that we don't even realise and know that it's good for us to realise that God does watch over us and does keep us and sometimes we do see it and sometimes we do realise how the Lord has so watched over us and kept us even in our bodies from harm. But we think of in many, many ways in providence, in providing employment, in providing a husband, a wife, in providing for us a place of worship and brethren, a minister, a pastor, in providing for us godly parents, many things we can see the Lord's kind providence over us. His ordering our lives, my life's minutest circumstance is subject to thine eye. And it's in those things, watching providence. In Psalm 107, at the end of that, we read, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And through that psalm, the pathway of the people of God was up and down. Many times, because of their sins, their rebelliousness, they fell down, there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Answers to prayer. A loving kindness that is to be understood. Sometimes cross-providences. Things that at the time we felt were against us. But afterwards we can look back and say that what I thought was against me is a token of God's care over me. He was watching over me when I did not even know my need of his care. His preventing care, his holding back care, hold back thy servant from presumptuous sins, let them not have dominion over me. When he moves us and directs us to do what he'd have us to do, to hear those promptings as to how to act, when to act, what to do. And we are to discern the Lord's care. And in that care, there are tokens. We think of the shepherd and the places where he leads his sheep and where they go. God's providence. You think of the children of Israel going through the wilderness. Didn't seem to be much care at first. Hemmed in. Red Sea in front. Mountains each side. Egyptians beside them, behind them. They didn't see much care in that. But then the Lord divided the Red Sea. 
brought them safely through, destroyed their enemies. Then they sang the song of Moses. They saw the Lord's care. They weren't destroyed by the Egyptians. The Lord destroyed the Egyptians, but not them. Then three days later they were murmuring because they had no water. And when they came to the waters of Marah, they were bitter. Again they murmured. But there was a tree, and it's a beautiful type of the Lord Jesus Christ, cast into bitter waters. Bitter waters, improvidence, sickness, afflictions, troubles and trials. And those bitter waters were then able to be drunk. And you might have this evening bitter waters, and you feel you cannot drink them. You cannot continue, cannot go on. And yet with the Lord Jesus Christ put into them a blessing in it, fellowship with him in his sufferings and to see that his work for some spiritual good and teaching, those waters then become sweet. And no doubt with dear Naomi who said, the Lord had dealt bitterly with me. But later on, when Obed was born and... The blessing of Ruth joined with Boaz. How different she was then. The Lord had balanced those clouds and had blessed her. Judge nothing before the time, but wait on the Lord, trusting his tender care. And you know, the more times we have those things to look back on and see that the immediate thought was the Lord doth not care. You think of the disciples. The Lord was in the ship. The waves, the winds, carest thou not that we perish. He arose, rebuked the winds and the waves and there was a great calm. Fancy thinking, fancy the Lord's dear disciples saying to the Lord, carest thou not that we perish. The Lord does care. He cares for his sheep. We can be sure if it seems that he is letting things go, he's not watching, he is. Job, he said, he knoweth the way that I take. What, Job? All what you've been through, the Lord knoweth and he's not stopped it. He's not reproved your friends yet. He's not delivered you from Satan. He's not cured you yet. Job, he said, he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And the Lord did care for Job. The Lord did care for Joseph, and yet all what he went through. We read the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, in the pit, in uh, Potiphar's household, wherever he was. Yet it didn't mean he didn't have troubles and didn't have trials. You and I will have tribulation. You must through much tribulation enter the kingdom. God's care does not mean that we will not have trouble or tribulation, but his care will be in it. In me you shall have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So it is in providence. And providence and grace, they unite together. You think of the book of Philemon. Onesimus, a runaway slave, ran away from his master, ran to Rome. And in God's providence, who did he come to? 
the Apostle Paul. What was the Apostle Paul? Was he a free man? No, he was not a free man. He was a prisoner. He is a slave. He doesn't want to be a slave. He doesn't want to be joined with his master. He runs away and then he finds the Apostle. What an example. He's a prisoner. He's a submissive prisoner. And the Lord uses his ministry, his example, to call Onesimus by grace and make him willing to return to his master. And he sends a letter back so that his master receives him and is kind to him. No more a slave, no more a servant, but a brother beloved. God's providential care. How many have run away and thought they'll leave their parental home, they'll go here and there and we'll get away from chapel. But the Lord's ordered it, that they haven't got away from him and he's brought them back and he's called them by grace even in the place where they've gone. The parable of the prodigal son, how often it is worked out in the lives of God's sheep. He cares for them and he cares to convert them and to bring them back and to make them known they are his sheep. I want to look then thirdly at his care over their souls. And really this is the most important thing. This is the thing that discerns it even from those other cares because we know the Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. He watches over so many, all all his creatures he has compassion on. He is the saviour of all men, especially of them that believe. But those that believe, they notice his care in providence, but they notice his care as well in grace. When the Lord first called me, I was able to see his care in providence many, many times. By that time, I stuck my hand upon the freezer side after it defrosted. You know, if you touch that freezer after it's turned on again, your hand grips it and you can't get it off. And I lived on my own. I couldn't call anyone. No one was in earshot. But in God's providence, just before that happened, I'd made a cup of tea. I'd made a pot of tea. I never used a teapot. I always used a tea bag. But that time, I used a teapot. And it was in reach of my other hand. And it was hot. And I could get it and splash it on my hand and release my hand. Never forgotten that time. The Lord's care in that way. And those times are blessed times, and I'd known those times. But then there was another time I had a trial, I won't go into it, but in the beginning and the end of it, I thought, well, there's no care for my body. There's no profit after or in any way I was not bettered. But then I realised that there was teaching in it. The Lord had taught my soul. He'd instructed me in that matter. And you know, that humbled me. That softened me to think, the Lord careth for my soul. 
The psalmist said, no man careth for my soul. That's how he felt. And no man does. But the Lord cares. I trust under shepherds across we in the ministry do care for the souls of men, but we cannot care like the Lord cares for souls. So his care will be seen in teaching. Note the teaching, the lessons the Lord teaches. Lessons about our sin. Lessons about our own heart. Lessons of the Lord's care, of his providence. Many lessons, but lessons that lead us to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. To actually realise he is providing for our souls in the provision of his beloved Son, that he is feeding us through the word of God, that he is correcting us, that he is truly shepherding us, and that he is caring for our soul, and that soul be more than anything else. This is a true token. You notice this, and I've seen it many times in my life, where the Lord has one of his people, he will order providences so that there are those raised up to care for them and to provide for them and help them. And when they're taken home, then that, that care is disbanded, it is taken, it's removed away. The Lord's, one of the Lord's people, are very, very precious to him. Don't ever think that, well, for the Lord to bless a place or even to the Lord to bring a minister in a place or a place of worship, you need a great big congregation. No, he'd bring, as it were, Philip to the eunuch. He'd bring for one. And if one soul, the Lord was loved them so much that he'd lay down his life for that soul, and I think we do not realise how much one soul is to the Lord. If one were lost, so would all. If there's one vacant throne at last, then why would there not be all? Salvation is sure for his people. The name that was given our Lord was Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Not might, not maybe, he shall do it. It is a great blessing to be safely brought home. And that should be the desire of us each, that we be safely brought home to glory. And the only way, we may say the only way that we will, is through the care of the Good Shepherd, the care of the Lord over us. We're not able to keep our own souls but may we be able to commit the keeping of our souls unto him in well-doing as unto a faithful, faithful God, the God who will keep his sheep and will present them at last safe before his Father's throne. Well, may the Lord bless this word. He careth for you. And may we be helped as we go on to put into practice the first part of this text, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen.